are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Deuteronomy 26, 8 through 11. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given you and your household. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. All right. Thanks, Greg. Well, a week ago, we had the warmest Halloween in 22 years, I think is what they said. The year 2000, I guess, had it beat at 71 degrees. Now it's a little bit more back to reality, but we had a fun time in our neighborhood last Monday, trick-or-treating. Our youngest is 18 months or so, and I tell you what, it didn't take long for him to catch on. He was in this hand-me-down Elmo costume that was like three sizes too big, but we rolled everything up and made it work. And he ditched the wagon after two houses, and he would just run right down the middle of the street. And he'd go up with all the kids to the door, and he'd be there as the candy is passed out. Well, after like two or three houses, the whole group of kids, thank you, would turn and go, and he would just flip right back around and reach up his hand for one more. And I think every single time he got extra candy for doing that. And I realized, you know, you really don't need to teach a kid to like getting candy. That's just it's very natural. You don't have to teach a kid to want more of something good. And today we come to a Sunday in this series where we might find, at least according to the Bible, some teaching is necessary, but the objective is the same. The objective is that we will want more of something good, and the good thing is giving. Specifically, financial giving. I was talking to a guy um, last month who was maybe in his upper 50s age-wise, and I don't really know him well, but we chatted a few times, and we talked about family and background and stuff like this. And so I felt it was okay to ask him. I said, do you happen to have a church home that you're part of? And he doesn't live in the area, so I wasn't inquiring for any other reason, just getting to know him. And he looked at me and he said, You know, the church that we were at years ago started to talk about money and kind of pressured people to give. And then we moved to a new town, and we just haven't been back to a church since. Now, this guy's a family guy. He's got a good job. He treats people well. He's very personable. And just the way he was talking, too, I would guess that he would identify as a Christian, but he has no actual connection to a church. And I can tell you, and some of you 
know this. I mean, this is an increasingly common scenario in our country. And for some of us, in fact, that kind of story sounds fairly familiar. And now you're here, and something has shifted. Now, we could talk about the other factors that are at play in this guy's story, but what I want to pay attention to today is what he stated, that he was turned off by how the church dealt with money. And my hope today, and in the life of this church, is that you will experience the opposite. That you will be blessed by our conversation in church about money. And here's the thing that you'll see. There is no such thing as talking about money or financial giving or any of those things in isolation. But it's all connected to spiritual health. And so if you're our guest today, maybe you're here for baptism, maybe you're just stopping by for the first time, I'd like to, with a little smirk, welcome you to our money conversation. (laughs) But here's what I've found over the years. I, I bet you know this is true, too, even from your own family background. There is something very encouraging when you see a family that's able to talk about a difficult topic in a healthy way. And so if you are our guest, or you're just here kind of kicking the tires, you get to listen in to a family conversation today. And I pray that as we open up God's Word and we look for direction, that you will be surprised that a talk about money in the church could be so encouraging, that could build you up in your faith and equip you for what God would like to do in your life. Now before we turn to these verses, let me give a little context for where we're at this fall. I did not just select this topic randomly for this Sunday. This was part of a wider series we're doing called Healthy Rhythms, and the subtitle, Bible Teachings for a Happy Heart. And so we've been talking all fall about healthy rhythms that God has designed for life, and there is a healthy rhythm in the Bible around money and giving. And it stretches from the Old Testament all the way to the New as we see in our scripture reading. So we're going to start with Moses in Deuteronomy and then end up with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. So let's begin in Deuteronomy 26. This passage that we're going to look at marks a significant moment for the people of Israel where they're going to be celebrating the very first harvest that they will have ever gathered in in the Promised Land. And if you remember some of their story, and it's depicted so well in the Beginner's Bible or the Jesus Storybook Bible, they had been slaves in Egypt, and they moved from that life to being nomads in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they are looking forward to the very first harvest from their new fields in the Promised Land. And that's where we're at with our few verses of 8 through 11. They're part of the instruction for giving a first-time offering of the first fruits of the land. Now, first fruits is a term in the Bible that we're going to run into a couple times today, and it simply means the first items from the harvest. So if you have an apple tree in your backyard, and it's going to yield 10 bushels of apples from mid-September to Halloween, let's say, that time frame, then the first fruits would be the first bushelful, the first basket that you pick. So let's look at verses 8 through 9, where Moses is remembering the story of what God had done. Verses 8 and 9. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt 
He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, there's a very important principle displayed in these opening verses. How we are to learn about our giving is going to develop here, but in this very first portion, who is the one doing the giving? Who is the, if you're a grammarian, uh, who's the subject of the sentence? Who is the actor, the giver? It's God. The Lord brought us. He brought us and gave us. And so the principle that we're underlining here is before I can ever talk about my own giving, it all starts with what God has done for me. And by the way, what does baptism and financial giving have in common? Exactly this principle. It all starts with what God has done for me. He brought me. He gave to me. And even my very means of giving or even my very means of faith is actually first a gift from him. And once that's established, now we can follow the progression. So look what happens in verse 10. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. So the Lord brought me, and now I bring the first fruits. The Lord gave to me, and now I give of the harvest. Now, what's the big deal about first fruits? Why would that be emphasized instead of just giving generally? Have you thought about that before? A bushel of apples is really a bushel of apples. It doesn't matter if it's the first or the fourth or the tenth. What did Vanessa Williams sing? I apologize, I grew up in the 90s, but you know the song. You go and save the best for last. You go and save the best. You know that song? All right. I got to watch. My kids have me on notice for singing. But this doesn't talk about saving the best for last. It talks about first fruits. Why is that? Well, some of this you maybe would know intuitively, but let's just state it out loud. Number one, in giving first fruits, you are saying, God, you are my number one priority. You are first in my life. Reason number two, when you give the first of your harvest, a harvest that you need to survive, and maybe we think more finances and income, right? When you do that and you give of the first, it is a tangible act of faith. When you give that first fruits gift, you are saying, Lord, I trust you to provide. You have given me this, and I trust that you will provide for me again. And then finally, number three, when you give off the top, when you give first fruits, you know that you won't run out before giving your gift. As a dad, sometimes you get treated as a human trash compactor at the dinner table. And so I get gnawed on pieces of pizza crust, and I get last scraps of mac and cheese that are cold in the bottom of... I mean, I get other things too, but you know, at, <laughs> at the end of the meal, it comes my way. Dads, am I right? So giving off the top ensures that we're not just giving God what's left over. So we've noted this progression from God giving to me giving... And look at now how it culminates in the next verses. This is what it leads to, and we pick it up in the second half of verse 10. Then you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. So you see the connection? Giving leads 
to rejoicing. And maybe you've heard it called this before, the joy of giving. It's absolutely true. That's exactly what giving does. It leads to greater joy. And it struck me in studying these verses in Deuteronomy that it almost, as you walk through these verses, it almost feels like a math equation, Mrs. Nemi, doesn't it? Here's the math, the mathematics of giving. The Lord gave, that's where it starts, so I give, that's my response, and together it equals, I rejoice. The Lord gave, so I give, and now I rejoice. And that is a biblical principle for a happy heart. And it carries across the Old Testament and into the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus and all the way into the early church. So let's look at the second reading. 2 Corinthians, as we flip there, is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. At the close of his first letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 16, Paul gives them some instruction about how to provide an offering for the church in Jerusalem. This was during the Great Famine, it's called, that was sweeping across Judea and Jerusalem. It's referenced at the end of Acts 11. And the believers in Jerusalem were plunged into poverty and didn't even really have enough to put food on the table. So the church in other places, in other cities like Corinth, is jumping in to send financial aid. The trouble, though, in Corinth is that they had started to gather up this special offering, but they hadn't actually finished it. It's like one of those projects around the house that you get started on, but then don't quite finish. And it just sits there. And that's exactly what's happening in Corinth with this gift. They've had good intentions, but they haven't transacted it. It's just sitting there. So part of the backdrop to Paul sending this second letter is exactly this. And if we were to read the beginning of chapter 9, so we started a few verses in, but starting at verse 1, you would see Paul addressing their stalled-out gift. And we pick it up in verse 6 when he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So Paul is drawing on a very familiar picture for them, and that's agriculture. And he's reminding them that what you do at springtime is going to impact what you have at harvest time. So if you're skimpy with the seed in the spring, you're going to get skimpy results in the fall. But if you plant generously with that seed, then you will reap a generous crop. So this is not a farming lesson. What is he saying to us about finances? It's saying that if we are generous in our giving, that we will be generously supplied for in return. And this is the principle behind a passage like Malachi 3 in the Old Testament where it says, Trust me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So my brothers and sisters, if you have not tested God with your giving, then here is the biblical invitation. This is financial wisdom in Scripture. That your giving will come back to you. 
that God will take care of you. Let's go to verse 7 as we work our way through. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. One of the main reasons that we do not pass an offering plate here at the Y Church is because of this verse. Now, we're not saying in that that there is something inherently wrong with an offering plate. That that would be just fine. But we read this verse years ago and we thought, I don't know, let's see if we could do this a different way. So that as we gather for worship in a gym at the Y and we're around these tables, that no one would feel obligated Or, I mean, how many of us can relate to this? All of a sudden you're scrambling to to see what you have and what few bucks you have as the plate is coming down the line. Rather, it says, each of you should give what you've decided. So it's deliberate. Do you see that? It's planned. And note that it's the opposite of compulsory giving. It's cheerful. No one's forcing my hand. I've decided to give this gift and I give it joyfully. One more verse and we'll tie all this together. Verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love this verse. If I were to get a tattoo, it might be this verse. I don't know. Maybe somebody drop a design. I'll consider it. But it's a beautiful passage. It is a beautiful passage. And we see in this passage that there's so much more going on here than money. The abundant blessing of God is attached to our financial giving. And God will supply you with everything you need so that you can abound. It's kind of a Bible word, but it means so that you can thrive. So that you have more than enough in every good work. Now, very carefully, we need to ask this question. Does this mean that the generous follower of Christ will never, ever suffer want or need of any kind? No, we're not preaching some kind of prosperity gospel. But I will remind us of some of the great examples we have in Scripture. The Macedonians, too. They gave to the Jerusalem church during that great famine, and they gave out of their poverty. Just a chapter earlier, 2 Corinthians 8, 1-4. If you have your Bible open, just flip back a page. This is worth reading. Listen to this description. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. That is the kind of people that we desire to be. In plenty and in want, as we remember marriage vows, in plenty and in want, we choose to be generous. And in this family... In plenty and in want, we choose to trust the Lord. So in summary, here are the biblical principles of giving that we follow at the Y Church and that we commend to each one of us. Keywords, first fruits, generous, 
joyful, and a model of 10%. That last one is this Bible word that we hear, tithing. And I can tell you that I have never known a tither or a, a person who practices this model of giving who has lacked anything that they need or regretted their giving. God says, put me to the test. Just watch and see what I will do. My brothers and sisters, as I watch or read the news, certainly in an election season too, I mean the headlines are inflation, inflation, inflation. I mean, that's the reality. When we leave this space, we've just talked about money here, that's what's going to meet us at the door. And yet I'm reminded that the message of the Bible is first fruits, generous, joyful. In fact, double down. That's the idea that we get in Scripture. That's a healthy rhythm that is so much bigger than money. And so I ran into this line this week. I paraphrased it for us somewhat, but it said, giving is our response to the goodness, grace, and blessing of God. And so we either respond in faith because we believe that's true, or we respond in unbelief because we don't. And as I worked through these passages and thought about you, I, I was asking myself this kind of question this week. And this is what I invite you into. How am I responding to the goodness, grace, and blessing of God? And do I really trust that God will take care of me? Now, let's bow in prayer as we close. Lord, we thank you that in your word, we have everything that we need for life and faith. And Lord, some of us, like the gentleman that I got to meet last month and we had this conversation, some of us have some pretty lousy experiences around money, either in our family of origin or in a church environment. And I pray, Lord, that today there would just be no foothold for the enemy of our souls to sneak in and steal, kill, and destroy but that we would receive words of life and words of blessing. Lord, we thank you that you have tied together our giving to the whole of our spiritual health and life with you. And I pray, Lord, that you would move and speak right now in our hearts and minds and show us how those dots connect in our own life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.